Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown, Georgia Southern. Pass swing on the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Well, welcome to the Georgia Southern Extra Podcast. I'm your co-host, Nathan Dominitz from the Savannah Morning News and SavannahNow.com. And with me, as always, is McLean Baxley, our co-host. How, how are you doing tonight, McLean? Doing great. Hanging in there. Great. Hanging in there might be the, the phrase of the week. Um, and we're, 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 uh, we're taping this on Tuesday. And when you're listening to this, just keep, in track, uh, keep track that we're taping it on, based on what we know on Tuesday. And we have a very special guest, uh, especially good timing for uh, the game against Florida Atlantic. This Saturday for Georgia Southern, we have Kobe Price from the South Florida Sun Sentinel. He's been there about a year. He's covered Florida Atlantic Owls. Uh, Kobe, thanks for joining the show. Oh, it's more than my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Okay, great. Well, you're, you're a wealth of knowledge about Florida Atlantic and the unique season they're going through right now. And uh, for people that haven't been paying attention, uh, the big question I have for you is, what has it been like covering a team? And what has the team been like when every week they don't know if they're playing a game? Right now, the team is five and one. Uh, they've had uh, first game was canceled against Minnesota, second game canceled against Stony Brook. Georgia Southern fans uh, should recall from September. That game was postponed until this Saturday, 6 p.m. at Paulson Stadium in Statesboro. Uh, and then you, uh, George, at um, Florida Atlantic had yet another game uh, against USF postponed. And then uh, they got some games in. And then last week, uh, the game at Middle Tennessee State was canceled because of the COVID COVID-19 issues uh, with the uh, Middle, Tennessee Pro- Middle Tennessee State program. So, Kobe, just in general, and we'll talk specifics, what has it been like covering this team this season? Uh, it's been an experience I will never forget. I can <laughs> assure you that. Uh, it's just weird because uh, and uh, Willie Taggart, he mentioned it himself, like you never truly feel comfortable about a game happening until kickoff happens, right? So right. that's just been – I mean, the players have felt that, the coaches have felt that. And I very much have felt that, you know, I, I'm right. I write a preview story, do a couple of preview stories that I might work on throughout the week or, and I'll turn it on Friday. And then it's like, Oh, well, game's postponed, game's canceled. Scrap that. We got to write uh, a cancellation because of uh, the COVID-19 issues with whatever team who has it. So it's just been a really uh, unforgettable situation, unforgettable year. What, how, how about the players? Have they been, um, I mean, these are college students, student athletes. Have they been able to kind of gear up and, and get motivated each game? Or is it kind of getting on them where like, oh, no, not again, like kind of mentality where they're not sure. So they don't really they're not really all there. Have you Has it been a mixed bag or have they been pretty much focused game in, game out? Based off what I based on the conversations, they feel pretty focused and when these situations happen, they seem just kind of like, all right, we got to move on to the next situation or the next game because, I mean, there there's very little, I guess, because it's always week to week, there's very little time for them to, like, sit and pout. They may have, like, a 24-hour period or maybe a 12-hour period. So they're like, man, another game canceled, postponed. But they seem to bounce back uh, relatively quickly. And maybe it's because they've gone through it so many times, uh, having – Seven games postponed or canceled, and four of those games being postponed or canceled uh, the week leading up to the matchup. But uh, the, from the player side, they seem pretty, I guess, well-adjusted. I guess the best they can be, if that's the best way to say it, simply because 
it's happened over and over again, and they sound pretty, uh, pretty set for this Saturday too. Go ahead, McLean. I think you were going to ask something. Yeah. So you know, what 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 have you uh, noticed from the team? You know, each week it seems you know, there's, you said there's, there's layover. There's you know things that could happen, couldn't happen, and you know what what what's your been your biggest takeaway from this uh, Florida Atlantic team? You know, five and one record, uh, four and one in conference, that one loss to undefeated Marshall. Uh, you know, what what are, what are some things that are sticking out to you from this team? Uh, defensively, this team can hang with the best of them. I mean, we even saw it in a loss against Marshall. They really contained uh, the Thundering Herd. They really showed that they can be one of the better, I mean, one of the better defenses in the conference, uh, in Conference USA, and just a very sound, a very smart and aggressive team defensively. Um, they had a streak of 10 quarters where they didn't allow a touchdown. Um, I think they, like I said, even in a loss against Marshall, that, that the, the presence that they had was, I was impressed by it. And that's been the biggest takeaway from uh, on my end, what Jim Levitt's done uh, with this group, especially a group that lost so many players from last year, so many key contributors from last year, and bringing in this kind of performance week in and week out where there hasn't really been much, uh, maybe slip-ups. Uh, that's been the biggest, uh, biggest thing I've been impressed with throughout the year. And, yeah, you got um, new quarterback, uh, quarterback situation where it was Nick Trani the first few games, now it's Javion Posey the last couple games. And that's been notable. But when I think of this team, I'm going to um, – when I look back on this team and, like, a few years from now, I'm going to remember what they did defensively because it's just been impressive uh, regardless of the competition that they face. Just kind of going back to the, you know, cancellation and the, and the status and, you know, the, the, you know, unusual coverage of this team that in your first full year and, and you're know, covering this team and everything – um, what's been it, what's it been like in Boca Raton as far as uh, you know cases and you know mask wearing and around campus and just around around the community? Yeah, well, okay, so uh, yeah, this is the second. This is my second season covering the team, so obviously okay. it's been like really yeah, because I started last uh, last September, so I got the full season, the last season with Lane Kiffin, and then obviously I get this season. So from that perspective, it's just like wow, this is a much different season. But with the COVID situation. Uh, I haven't really, I'm, I'm not really on campus besides uh, on game day. Um, we're, not, we're not there for practice. We're, we're only really there for games. So it's hard for me to speak on, like, the mask wearing, the distancing and all that. Uh, based off what I've heard, it seems like they're following things to the best of their abilities. But I, it's hard for me to speak firsthand on that simply because I'm not around physically in that way. The, uh, you mentioned the defense. I just want to point out, giving up only 11 points a game, that's – That'll win you some games. Eleven points. Um, uh, FAU is scoring twenty-one points a game, and you can you can, that'll certainly work when you're only giving up eleven. Well, um, right. The, uh, the the teams were the teams were supposed to meet in September, um, and this is kind of an off the top of your head question. What did you what what did you see the game being back in September, and, and the way with the way the teams have changed in terms of rosters and available players. What what would be the difference if they had played in September to what now that they're scheduled to play on Saturday six six p.m. At, in Stapro? Is it a vast difference? You mentioned about Javion Posey is now the starting quarterback, and obviously he's their leading rusher as well. Would it have been a, a a very different game, or is it um, what do you see different? Yeah, I think it would be a different game, mostly because if the game happened in September. I think Georgia Southern at that point only played one game. I want to say. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, so uh, I think they just like FAU. They know they they know Georgia Southern. I mean, from the FAU standpoint, they know Georgia Southern 
better, but they also know themselves better. Like like you just mentioned, uh, Javion Posey wasn't the starting quarterback back then. Nick Trani still would have been the starting quarterback. And even though Posey's only started a couple games here, I think FAU very much, they know who they are now. They have a better idea than who they are now because that game against Georgia Southern back, I think it would have been September 19th. I think that would have been their first game of the year, FAU that is. So I think they just know, they have a better idea of who their identity is. And it, it took them a little bit to to find that. So I think for them, they're going to, you may have seen, I guess specifically, if this game happened in September as opposed to uh, it's going to happen on Saturday uh, mm-hmm. as scheduled, you would have seen an FAU team probably pass the ball more, maybe a couple more uh, deep, uh, more deep shots with Ronnie at QB, because we saw that a little bit in the first game that they played against Charlotte. Now they know who they are. They have a better idea. You switch QBs. I expect them to, I guess, play a more ground game, a more running, uh, running-based game, which they've done throughout the season, but they've leaned on it more and more as the season has gone on, except for the game, I would say, against UMass. That is a common opponent. I want to ask, uh, before we get to the UMass game, I want to ask McLean the same question I asked you, Kobe. What was the difference between Georgia Southern in September and Georgia Southern this week? And we're, we're talking a laundry list of uh, player differences, actually. But the defense has gotten a lot better since. Yeah, I mean, that secondary improves each week, you know, with, uh, you know, Derek Canteen, uh, Kendrick Duncan, the safety coming back, um, you know, uh, David, Sing- or, uh, David Spalding. I mean, all these guys on the secondary have improved game by game. Um, and then, but then you, when you look at offense, you know, it's got, got a lot of guys that are out. You've got JD King out, you've got, you know, Wesley Kennedy out, you've got, uh, you know, Shy Wirtz isn't super healthy. You've got Bo Johnson out, you've got Chase Hancock out. Um, so it's a very different team and, and, you know, it seems like, I mean, I know every team every week has a different team based off of, you know, COVID and contact tracing and stuff. But I feel like with Georgia Southern, when you look at the roster against Campbell at the beginning of the season, well, I mean, on paper, before we found out that there was 33 guys out. But if you look at that roster, you look at the roster that we were given this week, the depth chart we were given this week, very different as far as, you know, where people are playing, who's playing, and what the, what role they are. So I think it's going to be better for Georgia Southern, like, like Kobe was talking about, how they kind of know who they are now. Um, they've had experience. They've It's not their first or second game, you know, because Georgia Southern, I mean, it seems like years ago, but it was only three months ago. You know, they, they they lost or they only they only they won by one against Campbell and then had to turn around and play a FAU team that's you know been a consistent conference uh, champion or, or in the conversation for conference champion. So now they've played you know ten games and and have a better understanding of what needs to be done. They are they are pretty beat up, but we'll, we'll see what happens. The one common opponent I believe is UMass. Uh, UMass had not played since the previous November or December when Georgia Southern played them. And that was 41 nothing. Uh, UMass fell to um, FAU on November 20th, uh, 24-2, kind of an odd score. But uh, I guess, you, um, was it safe to say that UMass was, UMass was pretty much outmanned against FAU? They weren't really at the same level when you saw them, Kobe? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I, I forget. I think it was like FAU were 31-and-a-half point favorites going into that game, I want to say. Uh, yeah. Or at least that's where the line floated around throughout the week, uh, around 31, 32, 31 and a half. So I, I expected FAU to pretty much dominate UMass, and they pretty and they, they seemingly did that. The only thing really going to come away from that game was that UMass really tried to force FAU to beat them in the air. And obviously, like mm-hmm. FAU, they were able to do what they want, wanted to do on the ground at certain points. 
think Javion Posey had like a 75-yard run uh, for a touchdown. But he wasn't – he didn't pass as well as you would have hoped to see against UMass. Uh, and he got sacked a bunch of times. Um, I think Tagger even mentioned after the game that the offensive line didn't play as aggressively as maybe he wanted to see. So while the, the dominating win was, was impressive and, I guess, important, expected – there were still some takeaways. You you still want to see a better passing out of Composey, a better uh, hold-up play from the O-line. So that that's what I really took away. And obviously another stellar defensive performance. I mean, the two points was a safety, and it came because uh, a punt got messed up for FAU. So it wasn't even like the defense allowed any points uh, from there. Well, that one, well, they had that in common because the Georgia Southern defense took great pride in that shutout. And, and, and there's, their stats are skewed because of that game in, in a small way, a small portion. But I do want to ask you in the time we have left for uh, your prediction. But you, made a, you wrote a nice story the other day about how Willie Tiger teams were kind of known at Florida State and at Oregon for being a high penalty, highly penalized teams. And he's kind of turned that around in a big way at Florida Atlantic, and it's part of the reason they're winning. Is that something that uh, the, the team has really bought into about disciplined? I mean, it sounds like everybody should, but – uh, it, it, why did why is why has he had so much uh, better uh, success with keeping the team uh, keeping the flags to a minimum? Yeah, well, first off, thanks for uh, reading and plugging that story. I appreciate it. Uh, sure, but that's the same signal, by the way. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think they kind of saw in that Marshall game, and it, I mentioned this in the story, just how devastating those penalties could be. Because I remember one penalty early on. Uh, it came on third down, and the, the penalty was called against FAU's defense, and Marshall wound up scoring a touchdown on that same drive. I think another drive kind of pushed um, – it had other drives where they would commit penalties offensively where they would just keep getting pushed back behind the line of scrimmage. So ever since that game, I think they had six penalties in one game, but ever since that game they've really kept it low. And I think they they learned, like, hey, if we're trying to win games, we can't hurt ourselves like that, especially – if you're an offense that isn't going to be this uh, high-scoring offense regularly and that sometimes can have a hard time moving the ball in certain situations, you can't put yourself in worse situations because you're already, I guess, having a difficult time in, like, more ideal ones, right? Like, you, if you're having a hard time on first and 10 from your own 30, then you're going to be in a tough position from first and 20 from your own 20, right? And sure. it's just stuff like that that hurts. And then defensively, Look, you did the job of uh, of stopping them. Don't bail them out by giving them another extra three downs for them to just wear us down a little bit more or just have more advantages or more opportunities to score. So I think that's been the biggest thing. And obviously, like, everybody knows you don't want penalties. Like that's, everybody knows that. But for <laughs> them to, to buy in fully and just well, not just talk about it but be about it, that's been another thing that which I wanted to highlight that that helps a lot because even last year, I mean they were committing like maybe six and a half penalties a game or somewhere around six. This year they're down to like four and a half, and it's a small improvement, but that's an improvement nonetheless. What's your prediction on a Saturday's game for uh, you know Georgia Southern and, and FAU and Statesboro? Oh man, uh, prediction uh, twenty to sixteen FAU. I think that's yeah twenty sixteen. How, how do we, how do we, how do we get there? How do we get there? Uh, I see, I see FAU. They score on their first drive. They come out uh, just loaded up, ready to go. They look impressive offensively the first drive. Probably stall out a little bit. I think they get FAU gets one turnover. Uh, they're probably gonna 
Posey, I know the, the Georgia Southern defense, uh, at least recently, uh, enforcing some turnovers too. So I see a couple turnovers, unfortunately, not going FAU's way, but I think they're going to get a couple back. Uh, I would actually think of fumbles in their cards because they did have a couple interceptions, so I think they get a fumble. But I think Georgia Southern, uh, they slow FAU's running game down, but Posey has a nice little bounce-back game. And <laughs> it's just one of those games where, like, Georgia Southern hangs in tough. It, it doesn't look like either one's really uh, going to pull away, but FAU just finds a way to just stay on top the, uh, for most of the game. And they just pull it out. Gotcha. What do you think? What do you think? Well, Kobe, uh, I mean, I think it's gonna be a close game. Also, I mean, I think Georgetown. It's a game that Georgetown has to win. Um, you know, they, they've lost two straight now, two nail biting wins, and, and you know, last second, or, you know, fourth quarter meltdowns. Um, I think it's the same. It's again, I think it's a game that Georgetown has to win. And I think they will win. I mean, it'll be close. It's between two two uh, teams, you know, that are very defensively based and very good, sound on defense. So. Uh, you know, I, th- I think you know a, a uh, you know three score to- like you know you know a, t- a twenty one to ten game uh, in-, in favor of Georgia Southern is a uh, is on the table um, for Saturday. Uh, well, we'll have to see who's right. Um, I'm going to th- jump in here um, uh, before I thank uh, Kobe uh, Price for coming into the show and and <clears throat> providing great uh, insight into what's been going on with Florida Atlantic, a, a-, a crazy season. Uh, hopefully the game, uh, all the games get played as scheduled. Let's cross our fingers. Uh, I think that the trend has been with Georgia Southern, as, as McLean knows, uh, especially uh, going to these games. There's no uh, – you, you're, you're on the edge of your seat. You can't rest because other than the UMass game, you take that as an outlier. Every game has gone down to the fourth quarter, and all, uh, all but uh, two of those games, including one win and then the loss to a nationally ranked Coastal Carolina, all the other games went down to one score the last possession in the last two games, uh, uh, Shy Wirtz, who's been their clutch performer, has been knocked out of the game. And I think that that's been um, that's been a, a real detriment to try to make a comeback when you're, you're when your field goal kicker is not making field goals and when your starting quarterback is not on the field. It makes it real tough to drive down and get that winning score or or whether it was a touchdown or a field goal they needed. So um, I think, and we'll McLean and I'll talk about this in the next section, but we'll. Um, a lot's going to depend on who's quarterback if Justin Tomlin rises to the occasion. And uh, I don't know how important a time of possession is going to be. I looked at the stats if we want to go that route. And uh, Kobe knows this. Uh, it's uh, they, The opponents and FAU have, have had the exact same time of possession, basically. So it hasn't mattered how, many, how, many, how long FAU has the ball. They've gotten the scores they've needed. And... Um, that you know, Georgia Southern takes a lot longer uh, on drives, mostly unless uh, you know there's a, a basically a breakout at the line of scrimmage. So, and that's the nature of an option offense. So, I, I think uh, Georgia Southern's going to have to find ways to, to the guys that have been on the bench who have had to come in for all those players that were missing the last week. Uh, especially those guys are going to have to play up, and maybe they'll surprise us um, or just show what the coaches have been talking about. So. Uh, if you had to bet, you would say that it's going to be a tight game because that's the way Georgia Southern has been going. Florida Atlantic obviously has been uh, making the most of their opportunities. So uh, not a surprise uh, how either of you guys saw that game. Kobe, uh, Bryce, thanks very much. You've been a tremendous guest. We appreciate you taking time out, and we'll uh, see you um, hopefully soon. Um, and um, thanks for coming on the show. Maybe we'll do it again next year. I'll... For sure. I appreciate you all for having me. I'll take care. Okay. Thanks very much, Kobe. Kobe Price of the South Florida Sun Sentinel.
Well, we're, we're back. I'm with McLean Baxley. Uh, McLean, we have a, uh, a few minutes here to talk about a lot of stuff. Uh, when people are hearing this show, it's two, we're taping it on Tuesday night, actually Tuesday late, late uh, afternoon, early evening. And a week ago at this time, uh, four, by this time, a week ago, four players had been arrested uh, for drug-related charges. Those players are all indefinitely suspended. You've got starting running back Wesley Kennedy III, and you've got um, a starting nose tackle, C.J. Wright. You've got uh, Efren Kitchen Jr., who's played a little bit as a cornerback and, uh, or defensive back. And then you've got Chris Harris Jr., who has played a lot uh, off uh, coming uh, in reserve. A uh, senior has been a part of the program for a long time um, at linebacker. And who's going to play – first off, McLean, who's going to play linebacker this Saturday? I mean, Rashad Bird has done a good job. You know, he, him and uh, you know, we didn't. You know, uh, Raynard Ellis was the other guy that that is now not on the team and not on the roster. You know, he opted out uh, last Monday or Tuesday, according to Chad, Chad Lunsford. Um, so that's another inside linebacker that's gone. You know, in addition to Harris, and so I mean, Rashad Bird and Todd Bradley have done pretty well. You know, both of those guys are. You know, veteran guys. Um, Todd Bradley seems like he's been around here for twenty years. Um, he's like I was going to say I was going to say twenty. I was going to say twenty. But I don't think that's right. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> and then you know Rashad Bird, a captain, and he's also the team's uh, leading tackler. So you know they've been able to hold it down. You know, they're in the one game they've played against Georgia State on Saturday, um, just kind of commanding that. And then you know the safety position has kind of uh, came down. You know, Kendrick Duncan's come down. Uh, Zion McGee, like they, they kind of play in towards the line. Uh, to, kind of, to kind of, you know, fill those roles that, uh, you know, Rand Ellis and, and Chris Harris Jr. left open on defense. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, it's was it been a crazy eight or nine days for Georgia Southern football. Um, and, you know, it, it's, it seems like it's never really going to end. But, um, you know, coming off, you know, a game uh, on Saturday against Georgia State where Georgia Southern was leading the whole game until the fourth quarter. And uh, it just seemed like Georgia Southern just kind of like they had against Army. Just they ran out of juice. You know, the defense got tired. The offense couldn't, you know, pick up first downs. And it was just a, you know, microcosm of this whole season of, you know, one possession games that, that went down to the wire. And, yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a game on Saturday for sure. You sound like uh, you're a little winded just talking about all the issues. Um, uh, <laughs> Coach Chad Lunsford said, said on, um, I believe it was Sunday, and you might have repeated it on Monday that uh, the program has been through adversity before, uh, and he's been part of the program either as assistant coach or the head coach for many years in two different stints. But he said this this week, this past stretch from the loss at Army to the travel issues, which I know are a small part in relation to everything else, but uh, that that put them behind schedule, and it also was uh, wore them out a bit. Uh, you would think, uh, and uh, then they had the player arrests on Monday and Tuesday, and then Reynard Ellis, obviously the uh, leading tackler, uh, he had an interception, a key interception. All the you know he played big for uh, a while now, and to have him go, and then to play Georgia State, a road game. Not not a, you know, thankfully I guess for their sake it was a short road trip, but by comparison to Army, but. They uh, they had a, he said it, it might have been the toughest or it was certainly one of the toughest weeks uh, that they've been through, and I think um, and there's nothing they can do about it. I think they really needed um, a bye week, a rest week this week, and and it was brought up that the Florida Atlantic game was supposed to be played in September, and we we already talked on the show today how different Georgia Southern team 
Georgia's Southern roster was then for uh, good and bad, uh, or, or positive and negative, I should say. But um, the uh, they can't there's not they can't do about anything about any of those things. But I'm wondering what uh, what do you think is going to happen at quarterback and at running back because those are some key positions that um, people really have haven't been able to step up in the fourth quarter the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so you know, one thing we, we we failed to bring up when we, we started talking about this week was they also you know let go and fired uh, Bob DeBess, you know office that's right yeah. that's been here since 2018. You know Chad Lunsford's uh, first that was his first hire um, as head coach. So um, new offense coordinator, you know Doug Roos, who was the OC from 2014 to 2015. He's been the tight ends coach all season. He's been promoted to interim uh, offense coordinator for the rest of the season. And, you know, Shy Wirtz has gotten hurt the past two weeks. We know his shoulder is not you – know, he was a game-time decision against Georgia State. And this is a non-conference game. It's not the last home game. Um, there's still, you know, another game next week against App State and probably another bowl game. And that's if their I'm, big rival. If, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, I, if I'm Georgia Southern and I'm you – know, and I know Shy Wirtz is a competitor. He's a winner. He's a guy that – you know, we'll go out there. I mean, he went out there, with, I think it was this past week, where he went out there for a play, launched like a 44-yard ball to Caleb Hood, got the completion, and then came off with his, you know, just holding his arm up uh, in, in, in socket. So he's a guy that's going to you know, compete until he can't compete anymore. That said, I think for the better of the team, for the better of the program, giving him an off week to fully, you know, fully, like don't even let him dress out. You know, you've got Justin Tomlin. You've got Sam Kenderson, who has game experience now. You've got Miller Mosley, the grad, you know, the grad transfer from uh, Wofford, uh, who hasn't really seen the field. So you've got guys that can fill this role. Obviously, not with the experience or the skill as you know, a four-year four starting quarterback. Um, but I think letting him, you know, letting Justin Tomlin be the guy. You know, we talked yesterday with both Coach Lunsford and Coach Roos about uh, you know Tomlin being that guy, and you know Chad Lunsford said that. The difference of you know now versus you know against Army and against uh, Georgia State was that you know the full week you know Shy Wirtz's mm-hmm. offense where then um, you know for at any given moment you know whether it's the fourth quarter or the third quarter like it was against Georgia State last week um, or whenever you know they're like Justin Justin go out there and lead this team but if you give him the full week of him thinking yes it's I'm the I'm the quarterback for this week it's my offense. I I feel confident. I feel good. That just adds to his like we said his confidence and um, his mindset of, of not being thrown into the fire. He gets the full week to work with the you know the the first team. He gets the f- full week to work against the scout team, and uh, I think that'll be better for it. So I mean I think Justin Tomlin should um, get the start against Florida Atlantic on Saturday. Well, and he and there is a track record there. Am I wrong? Uh, last season he had to fill in as the starter for a couple games. Uh, yeah, he started against, and did, yeah, he started against Maine. Uh, the, and George Southern won that game against you know FCS Maine at home, but he also started the game against Minnesota, where they again another game they should have won. You know, it, it ended up you know Minnesota went down and scored with you know I think fifteen or twenty seconds left in regulation to to win the game. But I mean that was a game against you know a top twenty team in Minnesota, and you know Justin Tomlin looked like QB one. I mean he was able to command the offense. He was able to throw when needed to. He was able to obviously, you know, run it or pitch it or, you know, hand off um, in the option. And, yeah. um, and that was a year ago. So now he's had a full year. You know, that was last September, September 2019. And so he's had a full yeah. year of, you know, workouts, a full year of continuing to learn plays, learn playbooks, get, 
you know, the motion of, you know, pre-snap and uh, pitching it and stuff. So, I mean, he has experience playing division one football. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, I think it's his time just to, and I, I still believe in shot words. I still, you know, think that he at full strength should still be the quarterback. But uh, right now, you know, with Doug Roos said yesterday that uh, and if he's not fully able to throw, he's not full strength. So um, if he can't, you know, chuck a ball 40 yards like he's done in the past, or if he can't run, you know, 60 yards to, you know, to score or put his team in, you know, field goal position, then he should not be fully, you know, able to go. Peterson is taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. 